Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Socially Distant, where the only thing we have to fear is that bitch down in Florida, Carol Baskin. <laughs> <laughs> I am your host. God damn it. God damn it. I know you you cooked that up and I could see in your eyes when you had it like yep, in your yep, head because yeah. I was just like uh, it was literally right before out. we started to record. <laughs> yes, perfect. I am your host, Alex Weber. And as always, we got him here cuz where else is he going to be? Right? Scrimmy. Scr- my name is Scrimmy. 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 Scrimmage with the Scrimmy. My name, my name is Scrimmy. Yes, gonna be a. Scrim- I, I feel like a, a guy named Scrimmy. He, he get a tongue like a way this show what? Yeah. And he just he he'd like. He'd turn everything he says, even if it's a statement to a question, like Scrimmy, what's your favorite color? Is your favorite color so blue is some what? Nah. And yeah, that would be Scrimmy. Scrimmy. Well, maybe, maybe would be we can naturally get, a grifter. Scrimmy on the show. Uh, give me like a couple days to flush out Scrimmy. Sure. Yeah, you got to flush him out of your system. Yep. Um, so before we get started, I'm just gonna keep the the shout out train rolling. We'll yep. Give a we'll give a shout out to our good friends Reagan Murphy, Yay. and Jamie or Coco, as Jamie I know Griffin. Um. Reagan had sent me a Snapchat. They had the episode yeah, seven. Yeah, sent me the same one. Yeah, on the TV. So that was super cool. So thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Jamie, for uh, I saw in the video you had your hands in your pants as well. So thank you for that as well. I know. Well, I mean, that's really the only reason why we do this podcast to give give Jamie some material, you know? Right, material for the for the mental spank bank. <laughs> Hey, you, you need to build. You need to build just, interest could, in these, um, in these trying times. You know. <laughs> I could just imagine Jamie just like just sitting there, just like, uh, cowboy Richie. <laughs> oh, I got oh, kicked in out of those fango oh, queers. Shit. He put jazz underneath Richie reading poetry. Oh, shit, it's fucking Allen Ginsberg. <laughs> so to back away from that graphic visual we can yep. quickly i guess discuss uh yesterday's episode i liked it i thought it came pretty good i really I feel did. like it i feel like it was fun too i feel like we should have a poetry break in every episode yeah i do like that and you know obviously just the poems on their own were really nice but i'm super glad you had the idea of throwing in some jazz underneath oh yep um because that was that was, fun. that was it sounded cool and that was a lot of fun i could even pick out some pick out a poem to read today Ooh. Yeah, I'm getting a little inside the actor's studio. You want to do some? You want to do some Sylvia Plath? Mm. Or do you want to do Snodgrass? Is that um, sh- what was your character's name? Schmier. Scrimmy. Scrimmy. Is that his, is that Scrimmy's brother? Snodgrass. <laughs> uh, my name's Scrimmy. This is my brother Snodgrass or what? <laughs> and Snodgrass is like exactly like Scrimmy, but just. Like a posh Brit. Yeah. Yes, I'm Snodgrass. <laughs> Susie Crabgrass. Susie Crabgrass, dude. Could you imagine actually having a last name as Crabgrass? That would be terrible. That would be awful because you know what? Like, Crabgrass is unwanted. You know what I mean? So it's like, where do we go from there? Yeah. You know? You only go down. Um, so, 
how how you doing today, Richie? What's up with you? I'm doing pretty good. I uh I worked. Nice. And now I'm here. Nice. Uh how about you? Yeah, so um How was your first official day of for low clink? So here's the thing about that. Um when I was on the phone with my boss yesterday, he said, mm-hmm. you know, there still might be some quick things that you can wrap up this week. Um, mm-hmm. before we like technically can't ask you to work anymore yeah um but i think even like kind of like on the down low they could still ask me to do some quick shit if they really wanted to mm-hmm. um, but so i took that as okay so you might throw me a bone every once in a while to do some stuff but i'm gonna be just chilling here um and then he said oh yeah well we have this person who needs these two powerpoint decks done mm-hmm. like by the end of the week so that's like a priority we need to get it done this week. So I'm like, okay, cool. Yep. Um, I have a little Google form that my coworkers can fill out when they have a creative request, and they just mm-hmm. put in the information, attaching the files. <coughs> yep. And it just dumps it into a spreadsheet so I could track all of these things. Oh, perfect. And so <coughs> this person who works for my company put him um, in two requests for two decks um, last night, one of them being at like 9.20, so I didn't see it oh, until... Damn you know this afternoon this morning yep um and so i found it weird because i was like when i got up in the morning i had like a lot of people emailing me about doing stuff quickly and i'm like this is kind of weird for someone who's like i guess technically not supposed to be working exactly Um, but i'm sure they're just trying to get it all out of the way before the end of the week Mm -hmm. and so i got like like a lot like, out of all the days that I've been working from home, I, this is the most that I've gotten, like, stuff to do. Oh, and wow. it's just funny because, of course, it's the day after I get told that I'm going to be out of work until, you know, m- middle of May. They don't know when they need you. Yeah. Until they need you. So, I was like, well, it's kind of weird, but, I mean, some of this stuff's pretty easy. I can I can knock it out. And uh-huh. then I was making, I was getting ready to make dinner. Um, yep. And usually, like, when I'm doing work-from-home stuff, I still I still call it at 5 and then go and make dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, just sort of because I schedule everything out. And yep. I was like, oh, let me just check my work email, see if anyone sent me any, like, Google Hangout chats um, while I wasn't looking at it. Mm-hmm. And I got, like, two for, like, three things to do. And one of them was like, hey, can I get this done tonight? And it was just dropping a logo into something. So super easy. So I did that while while I was eating, actually. Oh, wow. Nice. Good for you. But then I was looking at the um, creative requests for the two decks that this person sent in, and they said that they were like, oh, yeah, ideally I'd like this by the 31st. And I looked up at the date, and I'm like, oh, that's today. Um, <laughs> so I was like, let me just give you a status update tomorrow morning, i.e. I didn't realize you needed this today. I thought it was the end of the week. So, oops. Um, <laughs> and so I'm thinking, like, this is all going pretty crazy for someone who's not supposed to be working. And then it hit me when I was talking to my boss, he was like, yeah, so you'll get paid tomorrow. So today, and I did get paid this morning. Yeah. Um, which was just under what I needed for rent. If they would have given me like 50 more bucks, I would have been just like, all right, perfect. I don't care. Just that's, that's great. Um, yep. but that's all, that's all fine. And he was like, yeah, then we'll pay you like a stipend, like a one-time stipend. And then, on the 15th of April, we'll pay you for, like, five days. And I was like, okay, that's weird. Like, that's kind of random, but, like, sure. And I just thought they were going to pay mm-hmm. me for five days as, like, a, I don't know, some thing. 
You think like, that would be the stipend? Yeah, but or maybe it's just like some formality thing. But then I'm like, wait a minute. Exactly. They want me to work on stuff through the end of the week. That five days pay is probably like this week. And I was like, this, shit, exactly. I'm supposed to still be like actually working for the mm-hmm. rest of the week. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you, man. Yesterday and today, I have been a lazy fuck. <laughs> oh, damn. Like, I, I admittedly really haven't been like mentally all there for work but i mean i I still i still did stuff this morning uh still did stuff tonight i have a lot of shit i gotta do tomorrow but like it's just funny because for like 24 or you know and maybe like 30 36 hours i was just like yeah no this is cool and then i'm like wait a minute i gotta do shit (laughs) exactly i mean but to be fair the world is in a fucking pile of shit right now, so if I wanted to take 36 hours and have, like, a depression nap, I think I could. <laughs> yep, I, I feel like you you definitely have the ability to. I feel like everybody should bring back, like, what Lennon did and have a bed in. Like, seriously, like, not not like I'm trying to make a joke of it, like, have a bed in, yeah. like, for, for health or something, you know what I mean? Just stay in bed for a day. Dude, that's, I hon- honestly, uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before, um... On that Saturday, I went for a hike, so, like, you know, got my exercise in, mm-hmm. and then Sunday, I literally spent maybe, like, 96% of the entire the entire day in bed. I just didn't Yeah, the anything. 4% was on the toilet. It was either, like, on the toilet or in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but it was great, and I was like, wow, I w- this is, like, the laziest I've ever been. But I'm like, this is so nice just to, like, lay here and not worry about anything. So Right? Yeah, I got I should do that one of these weekend days, just do nothing. Yeah. Like, imagine <laughs> there is no deadlines, Richie. It's easy if you try. It's easy if you try. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I still can't <laughs> believe that they, they did that video, which already seems so long ago. What video? The Imagine video that I never actually watched. Oh, God, yeah, that's... Oh, man, that was stupid. That was so stupid. If you've ever seen... Have you seen Chris Cornell's take on it? Uh, no, Chris Cornell, Charles... Charles Cornell. I was going to say, isn't Chris Cornell dead? <laughs> yeah, sorry, guys. Imagine Charles there's Cornell. no heaven. Chris Cornell's not there. <laughs> oh, imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. Chris Cornell is not there. <laughs> Above us only, sky. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> But yeah, uh, Charles Cornell, the the famous piano meme guy, oh, okay. um, he did like a uh, a take like trying to track how the keys changed. It's so oh, weird. Oh, that's funny. It's like okay, it's up another full step. Now it's up another what full step? <laughs> <laughs> I have to watch that because that's interesting. Because one thing that I was like noticing a lot when I was listening to that, and I was like, yo, if they were doing this and their voice, their singing voices were actually good, okay. Mm-hmm. But it's so just like. <laughs> yeah like it's so it. forced and just like monotone i miss we are the world <laughs> dude what the fuck happened if we are the world we are the children dude just bring that shit back yo do you want to bring back we are the we are the world dude let's bring back we are the world but the, but just find like random people <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's a man we found on the street uh, we are the world. I found this guy at the Hyde Park commuter rail station, and he's gonna <laughs> be our vocal league. Hey, you wanna come with us? We're gonna record a song. Awesome. Let's do it. Ooh, that could actually that uh, could actually be pretty funny. 
I guarantee you, if like you pitched it the right way to people and was like, "Hey, we're doing this as just like a fun thing," yeah, um, just go all out for it. We could easily make a better sing along video than that Imagine video. Yep, and I bet we could even write like a better sing along song. Oh. You know what we could do? Get a bunch of people and do uh, "Give Peace a Chance." Ooh, that could be. It's fun. the easiest thing to sing along to. Yeah, that could be fun. Right, get a bunch of people, crowd a bunch of people on Boston Common. Well, not not right now, clearly. <laughs> yeah, in the summertime when the weather's hot. Uh, but you know what I mean, and just have people start doing all we are saying, and just have one guy there with like a really long beard and an Asian lady also <laughs> just standing next to him. So wait, did you end up watching the Ruddles? No, I didn't. I'm going to um after this though. I was Ooh, thinking about uh, I was thinking about it before. Cause you there's oh man there's some really good jokes that they make about John Lennon, good. whole thing. <laughs> Really good stuff. If you, uh, I just saw another video too. It was um, the Rutland weekend special. So it was like, basically like, here's a one-time special that we did with like Neil Innes, Eric Idle, comedy stuff like that in the U.S. George Harrison was supposed to be like the closer. Yeah. Of the night, and he started. He's supposed to start doing My Sweet Lord. Ooh. But like, so song. the band starts the intro, and right as it gets to start, he goes. I want to be a pirate, a pirate's life on me. <laughs> it starts doing, like, this pirate song, and then somehow the band, like, that's with him, is just like, all right, I guess we're doing the pirate song. That's and awesome. so then dancers come out, and he does, like, a full pirate song. Oh, my God. It's great. Please, you got to watch. I'll send you the link. Please send that to me. Uh, I want to be a pirate, pirate's life for me. Do we just, speaking, while we're talking on, like, Beatles and Beatles-related things, do we just want to yeah. take a quick, quick second to appreciate... The audible orgasm that is the Dirty Mac version of um. Oh fuck yeah, dude! Yeah. I also pulled that up last night as well. Oh my of god! Of your blues. Yeah. Oh, it's so it's so good. It's oh, it's so amazing. Good. It's amazing. It's uh, amazing. And like even right? the even the studio version of that song is incredible because yeah, it's it's I one was, of my favorite Beatles songs. I was reading about it, and c- again, that's you know that's the White Album, so that's like yeah, that's late Beatles. Yeah. Um. And so clearly they were doing a lot of like multi-tracking, rec- like different recordings and shit by then. Number nine. And so number nine. Yeah. Number nine. Um, but when they did your, I buried Paul. when they did your blues, apparently they all got together in like a small single room and recorded it live. So like kind of how oh, they how they used damn. to do it, and like you listen to it after hearing like or after learning that, and you're like, oh, I could totally feel it, and. There was one time where I was listening to it, and it was super late at night, so there was no extra sound. The volume was just right, mm-hmm. and you can like hear, like just like ambient noise from inside the studio in the <clears throat> recordings. Oh, that's amazing! And I was just like, "Yo, I feel like I'm fucking there," because like you just ah. catch on to these little things or like these little like like a squeak from a drum, and you're just like, "Yo, I feel that- like I'm Ringo's nutsack." <laughs> Sitting Bounce. on his drum throne Bouncing while they're fucking there. playing the fucking Beatles, mate. <laughs> Fuck yeah. You ever take a wank and listen to Revolution? Oh, I shall do that. <laughs> oh, yeah, she'll do that. Sweet Loretta Martin thought she was a woman, but she was another man. We gotta, watch, uh, we gotta watch Yellow Submarine together one time. We do. I we, love... we definitely have to watch Yellow Submarine. I love that movie so much. And we gotta watch Help. Yes. So, oh. yeah, their help is, I mean, I mean, if we're doing that, we might as well watch a hard day's night too, right? Just do have a Beatles marathon and just do all three. Ooh, I Who's do. Who's that? It's Paul's grandfather. 
Oh, we're <laughs> just good. We're just good friends. That is actually um, one of my good friends. I don't think he listens to the show, but I'm gonna shout him out anyway. Brendan Callery, Newtown High mm-hmm. School, homie, homie, homie. Shout out, um, shout out. We used to always like play acoustic Beatles songs together, and this was in like middle school, like middle school, yeah. high school. And we loved watching A Hard Day's Night. And whenever it would get to that oh, nice. part where they're just like, do you see your father much? And he's like, no, we're just good friends. We <laughs> quoted that. I quoted that to him three days ago. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> like it's it's a awesome. constant inside joke. I love just, that movie. One of my favorite gags is uh, when they drown the chef in the soup. Yeah. And isn't that right? Funny murder. <laughs> no, but then they serve the soup to the Beatles. And there's like glasses and shit yeah, yeah, yeah. like in it, and and someone goes and John Len- John pulls out a uh, like a little like a ticket. What's this? And Ring goes, looks like a season ticket. <laughs> and then John's like, oh, I love a bit of seasoning in my soup, yeah. and just like dips it in like <laughs> like steeps it. Yeah, the, he's like, oh, the great. comedy and that's really good. Do you have mm-hmm. them? Huh? Because I have the DVDs for both uh, Hard Day's Night and Help. So I had the DVD for help, but I'm not sure where it went. Um, a hard day's night. I mean, uh, I have. I'm on my buddy's Criterion Collection login. Shout out to oh, Ben Milo cool. um, for that. Uh, so I watched that, and I, I don't. I personally have never seen Yellow Submarine. Oh really? Well, I mean, it's yeah. interesting because the Beatles actually aren't in it until like the very end, where they have a cameo. Yeah. Despite the fact that they're the main characters, they have like other people doing the voices. Oh damn! But that's stupid. No, like Richie. You are not allowed to watch this movie unless I am there, because like we, okay. need, it is, it is something else. It is ridiculous. It's psychedelic. Oh, it's silly. It's fun. The animation's amazing. The visuals are like ridiculous. I think you would really dig it. Guys, um, dating in quarantine is fine. You just you just take charge during every conversation you have. <laughs> so yeah, you're not watching that until I'm there. Yes, sir, Mister Gray. <laughs> Fucking a, dude. Keep you under lock and key on this fucking thing. <laughs> I put you in double quarantine, baby. You can't even watch a movie. Oh, dude, you just sounded like fucking Bruce. At, what's the guy from Ash from Evil Dead? Oh, my God. Oh, I, baby. I totally hear that. <laughs> what is it? Give me some sugar, baby. Give me some sugar, baby. Uh, I, can't, I, I can't do it again. See? It was one Maybe, baby. Maybe, baby. Hey, baby. Hey, hey, baby. What are you doing? Hey. Hey yo Marie. Hey baby, hey, yo, what you doing? Hey. Oh Hey, hey, look at me. Hey, you gotta get a you gotta go to New York you gotta buy a watch. Okay. You gotta go to New York buy a watch. So, um there is a diner called Fifties Diner. It's in Dedham. Um Oh, you know the place where we went to um dinner with my my parents? Oh, we is it in? there? It's behind the whole foods so it's like there's that main shopping center and then it's like kind of behind that so you, yes, you get there okay. the same way but it's mm-hmm. you know your typical diner yeah and um when my friend not our college friend elena but my other friend elena came up and hung out um for a weekend a couple weeks ago we went there and mm-hmm. first of all she had gotten a belgian waffle with like like over easy eggs on top of it. Oh, this waffle, dude! I have never had a waffle as perfect. And of course, oh, now shit. I now I can't go there until May fourth <laughs> or whenever the fuck they open up again. Um, exactly. 
but so when we were trying to find parking there, I was talking in my stupid Italian accent and being like, hey, where's the fucking parking? Hey, whoa, whoa. Yeah. And then I pulled around in a corner. I'm like, oh, what's this? And I saw an open parking spot right there. And I just went, hey, oh. And it wasn't even a joke. It was like, that was legitimately my response to seeing this parking spot. Oh, it was shit, so dude, funny because I was, <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> I'm going to call you like spats. Spats, okay. Spats McKenzie. But yeah, there's a my one of my favorite like fifties places is at uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios in uh, uh, Orlando, Florida. Ooh. It's the fifties primetime cafe. So when you're taking a full day walking around Disney World and you think, hmm, what's for lunch? How about a nice big old plate of meatloaf? <laughs> How about a nice big old plate of fried chicken like Mama made? And but that was fun because I dragged all of my friends when we went senior year to do it. And honestly, we had the be- the most fun. Your waiters and waitresses are you call them like mom or dad? Oh my and god! They serve you. So we had a mom, thank God, because I would have gotten overwhelmed with daddy jokes. Yeah, right. Just coming into my head, and then uh, it's like, can I have the sweet tea, daddy? <laughs> right. But with, it's cool because like as you wait for your food, they give you a, like a game to play on the table, and we had to come up with like. As many Disney movies with one word that we knew. Yeah. So, and it's cool because, like, they, they do that. Like, Disney has now made waiting fun, which is <laughs> awesome. Dude, yeah, right for Disney. Bob Iger, actually, shout out to Bob Iger for foregoing a salary right now. Um, so his employees can still be paid through this whole crisis. Who, what is what does he do? Who is he? He Not- is the, the current CEO of Disney. Oh, wow. And he's, like, he just cut his salary? Yeah, he like just. entirely? He, he, yeah, he's going without a salary. I mean. When you're the CEO of Disney, yeah, you can you got, live without one now. You got money in the bank. You could you could take some time off. Exactly. That is super cool, though. I respect that hardcore. Um, yeah. And, I mean, it would be a lot nicer if other companies did that where their higher-ups could take either a pay cut or, you know, not take their salary so that they could continue to pay their, like, you know, standard-level staff workers so they don't have to furlough them or exactly fire them and that's not even a shot at what happened to me because like my company's handling handling it beautifully so no salt on my end but exactly overall i'm sure there's companies that you know people in certain positions could definitely take a pay cut or you know cut their salary entirely just to keep people at least working um exactly and i i feel like uh it's funny that late stage capitalism is now showing who cares more about money than people? Yeah, dude. Holy shit. Like, it's right. Like, you can have your whole life and, like, say it and then, like, not. Like, I'm going to call out Truki Supermarkets right now. Yeah. Because they are not doing enough to keep their employees safe. Really? They're a supermarket chain in the Northeast. And yeah, you used to work there, right? Yeah, I used to work there. So, shout out to that. And um, they decided to put plexiglass in front of cashiers, make them wear gloves. Yeah, stop and um, um No plexiglass in front of customer service desk workers. Huh. Um, right, exactly. Uh, so I don't know why they're not doing that. Yeah. Um, and now they're, they're, they have guidelines where they want to um, – where they want all cashiers to wash their hands every 15 minutes. Whoa. Um, you're a cashier. You don't have time to wash your hands every 15 minutes. Yeah, especially if you know it's I mean? like... I mean, it, I don't think it would be um, crowded, but if it was crowded, then you can't do that. Exactly. And uh, and they want change of gloves almost every 15 minutes, and it's like, really? Like, why... why, why you, you don't care about all your employees if you only care about the sum. Yeah. Or some of them. So it's like, come on. Like, really? 
And then they 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 go and ask the general manager to uh, increase morale. <laughs> so everyone here gets a trip to Disney, right? I mean, honestly, I'd take a trip to Disney, but this is like I. If you could take, uh, if you could just instead of giving a letter to all your employees about how you value them, give them a twenty-five dollar gift card yeah. to the store. Just be you know, like, help them relieve, help them relieve at least twenty-five dollars worth of groceries for the week. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like, do that for them, help them out, but like, yeah, don't man. just blow them off because like, your employees. It, it sucks because you know, and this is definitely crazy because like we're all working from home right now. Yep. And then people who work like retail and grocery stores, you know, or anyone, anyone who's considered essential. And, you know, I would assume that if you're working at a grocery store, you're not getting like a hefty salary, like a yearly salary. So like you need, Mm -hmm. you know, a little goes a long way. So appreciate appreciate your employees because, you know, they're think of how many people they interact with on a daily basis. And like, especially now, everything, everybody's all panic buying and still running out. And like, so I think honestly, like if they they really need they need a, a bone thrown for them, for sure. Cause, exactly. Again, they have to be there because the grocery stores have to stay open, or else we'd be in a fucking shitstorm more than we already right? are. Um, exactly. So, yeah, there's that. Cool. Um, I think it's I think it's about time for a uh, poetry. Yeah, what do you break? Yeah, what'd you decide? This is gonna be a longer poem. Okay, this is by the poet Mark Strand. It's called "The Story of Our Lives." Okay, just want to see, make sure it does tell me when the year it came out is. Does not tell me the year it came out. But a little background on Mark Strand uh, before I start. Uh, He was born on Prince Edward Island uh, in Canada. Real quick, what's the poem uh, name again? uh, The poem is called. The poem that I'll start reading is called "The Story of Our Lives." So this would be a great chance to get some like smooth jazz or yeah, something dude, under it. Totally. But um, yep. Yeah, so he uh, he spent time teaching abroad, um, and is a started as a poet translator. Um, he won the Pulitzer Prize in '99. Um, so he uh, he slips between surreal strangeness and elegance mm. in his work. So I'll just start with the story of our lives. Um, This poem is dedicated uh, to Howard Moss from Mark Strand. One. We are reading the story of our lives, which takes place in a room. The room looks out on a street. There is no one there, no sound of anything. The trees are heavy with leaves, the parked cars never move. We keep turning the pages, hoping for something, something like mercy or change, a black line that would bind us or keep us apart. The way it is, it would seem the book of our lives is empty. The furniture in the room is never shifted, and the rugs become darker each time our shadows pass over them. It is almost as if the room were the world. We sit beside each other on the couch, reading about the couch. We say it is ideal. It is ideal. 2. We are reading the story of our lives as though we were in it, as though we had written it. This comes up again and again. In one of the chapters, I lean back and push the book aside because the book says it is what I am doing. I lean back and begin to write about the book. I write that I wish to move beyond the book, beyond my life into another life. I put the pen down. The book says, He put the pen down and turned and watched her reading the part about herself falling in love. 
the book is more accurate than we can imagine. I lean back and watch you read about the man across the street. They built a house there, and one day a man walked out of it. You fell in love with him because you knew that he would never visit you, would never know you were waiting. Night after night you would say that he was like me. I lean back and watch you grow older without me. Sunlight falls on your silver hair. The rugs, the furniture, seem almost imaginary now. She continued to read. She seemed to consider his absence of no special importance, as someone on a perfect day will consider the weather a failure because it did not change his mind. You narrow your eyes. You have the impulse to close the book which describes my resistance. How when I lean back I imagine my life without you, imagine moving into another life, another book. It describes your dependence on desire, how the momentary disclosures of purpose make you afraid. The book describes much more than it should. It wants to divide us. 3. This morning I woke and believed there was no more to our lives than the story of our lives. When you disagreed, I pointed to the place in the book where you disagreed. You fell back to sleep and I began to read those mysterious parts you used to guess at while they were being written and lose interest in after they became part of the story. In one of them, cold dresses of moonlight are draped over the chairs in a man's room. He dreams of a woman whose dresses are lost, who sits in a garden and waits. She believes that love is a sacrifice. The part describes her death and she is never named, which is one of the things you could not stand about her. A little later we learn that the dreaming man lives in a new house across the street. This morning after you fell back to sleep, I began to turn pages early in the book. It was like dreaming of childhood. So much seemed to vanish, so much seemed to come to life again. I did not know what to do. The book said, In those moments it was his book. A bleak crown rested uneasily on his head. He was the brief ruler of inner and outer discord, anxious in his own kingdom. 4. Before you woke, I read another part that described your absence and told how you sleep to reverse the progress of your life. I was touched by my own loneliness as I read, knowing that what I feel is often the crude and unsuccessful form of a story that may never be told. I read and I was moved by a desire to offer myself to the house of your sleep. He wanted to see her naked and vulnerable, to see her in the refuse, the discarded plots of old dreams, the costumes and masks of unattainable states. It was as if he were drawn irresistibly to failure. It was hard to keep reading. I was tired and wanted to give up. The book seemed aware of this. It hinted at changing the subject. I waited for you to wake, not knowing how long I waited, and it seemed that I was no longer reading. I heard the wind passing like a stream of sighs, and I heard the shiver of leaves in the trees outside the window. It would be in the book. Everything would be there. I looked at your face and I read the eyes, the nose, the mouth. 5. If only there were a perfect moment in the book. If only we could live in that moment, we could begin the book again as if we had not written it, as if we were not in it. But the dark approaches to any page are too numerous and the escapes are too narrow. We read through the day. Each page turning is like a candle moving through the mind. Each moment is like a hopeless cause. If only we could stop reading. He never wanted to read another book, and she kept staring into the street. The cars were still there, the deep shade of trees covered them. The shades were drawn in the new house. Maybe the man who lived there, the man she'd loved, was reading the story of another life. 
She imagined a bare parlor, a cold fireplace, a, a man sitting writing a letter to a woman who has sacrificed her life for love. If there were a perfect moment in the book, it would be the last. The book never discusses the causes of love. It claims confusion is a necessary good. It never explains. It only reveals. 6. The day goes on. We study at what we remember. We look into the mirror across the room. We cannot bear to be alone. The book goes on. They became silent and did not know how to begin the dialogue which was necessary. It was words that created divisions in the first place that created loneliness. They waited. They would turn the pages hoping something would happen. They would patch up their lives in secret. Each defeat forgiven because it could not be tested. Each pain rewarded because it was unreal. They did nothing. 7. The book will not survive. We are living proof of that. It is dark outside in the room. It, it is darker. I hear your breathing. You are asking me if I am tired, if I want to keep reading. Yes, I am tired. Yes, I want to keep reading. I say yes to everything. You cannot hear me. They sat beside each other on the couch. They were the copies, the tired phantoms of something they had been before. The attitudes they took were jaded. They stared into the book and were horrified by their innocence, their reluctance to give up. They sat beside each other on the couch. They were determined to accept the truth. Whatever it was, they would accept it. The book would have to be written and would have to be read. They are the book and they are nothing else. Thank you that for was that, <clears throat> the book of our lives, the story of our lives by Mark Strand to Howard Moss. That was great. I gotta, I gotta tell you, man. I really, I think we should definitely have poetry time with Richie be like a normal segment. I, I it's, think so it's as well. super just relaxing, and I love yep. it. Especially what, uh, just sitting here, like drinking a glass of wine and just listening to it. It's so just like, it's me. <laughs> exactly. Let me pull back up that uh, poem again and. Let's talk about it just a little bit. I, I love how Mark Strand takes, he looks at life through a book, mm. and is he, he the book is also a character in the uh, in the narrative itself of the poem. Especially how everything is like related to a book. Um, there's there's a great. Um, There's a great section in here that I want to pull up. I lean back and push the book aside because the book says it is what I am doing. Mm. Like how yeah. how much control do you currently do you actually have of your life? And how much is it? How much of your life is already written for you? I think is a really cool concept in here. Yeah, definitely. So, yep. Yeah, it's just just a poem for you guys to really think about and sit and think about there. Um, whether you can maybe do some like little jazz bass lines or something. Yeah, dude. I was thinking about this today, learning some little little jazz riffs and just playing, like recording it over. Um, oh, that would be so great. Maybe, I wish I knew how to play jazz. Maybe I'll do that tomorrow. I know, dude. Me too. Literally, the only reason why I ever started learning guitar in the first place in seventh grade was because I wanted to be in my middle school jazz band. Oh, nice. Um, and I somehow thought that I could learn guitar, like, 
pick up a guitar for the first time, take lessons, and then try out for the jazz band. And then I quickly realized that I'm like, I can't fucking do this. Um, oh, damn. Because that's ridiculous to go from not playing an instrument to picking up an instrument specifically to play fucking jazz. Um, that's actually how I learned drums. So I oh, was really? a percussionist in high school, in middle school, in band, and uh, or, or orchestral band. So, well, not orchestra because there's no strings, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, school band and i was percussion and after my freshman year uh the senior who was playing drums in the jazz band uh graduated so i basically was asked hey are you doing anything monday night we're gonna need you to sit in for the jazz <laughs> band uh, and so i show up and i go so my band director who's the the incomparable ed ledwith he's an awesome man and a great uh, musician Shout playing out. guitar for over 40 years Ooh. loving it he he teaches me this is a latin and this is a swing now it's going to be variations of each <laughs> and figure it out and i was like okay so i kind of had to learn like how to swing and like how to play with brushes and yeah. so that's how i learned drums was actually being forced into jazz that's cool i feel like once you have i feel like once you have a good theory in jazz you can go play any genre because you'll get the most really... complex in jazz and then you just simple it down for what you want to play after. I really want to learn more jazz. Either like guitar or bass. Either or. Um, yep. I could probably start with bass. Um, I'm actually learning jazz chords now on baritone ukulele. Ooh. Uh, and because it's tuned like the top four of a guitar, I'm going to figure out how to then trans transfer from that to guitar. Yeah. We should totally watch um, Whiplash sometime. Oh, yeah. That, that would be a movie. fun watch. Fucking. What's the guy's name? Who's the teacher? Hold on. Oh, J.K. Simmons. Oh my the actor. God. Not my tempo. Holy sh I that man is incredible. And when I saw that movie, I was just like, get the fuck out of here. Play playing the role of the teacher this week is scrimmy. <laughs> yeah, this is not really going my tempo. Right? Nah. Um, get me uh, Spider Man. Uh -huh. Do you wanna Yeah Uh do you wanna someone's out of tune? I think someone's out of tune. Counts of four for me. Yeah. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. No, this is Richard's wrecking what? Or you could be the uh you could be the Ramones. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Bumping in a straight line. <laughs> let's put let's put Scrimmy in different roles. Put out like a movie role, I'll put Scrimmy in it. Um A Few Good Men. Is that You can't handle uh, the truth? Uh, <laughs> I want the truth. Is it just something you can handle or what? <laughs> All right, give me another. Um, can we go cross medium? So it doesn't have to be a movie. Could it be anything else? Yeah. Um, hot ones. Hot hot ones. Yeah, the show with hotter questions and even hotter <laughs> wings. <laughs> So, so, is, uh, is the wing the in front of you is a lot? Is this a little high? Why do you put glasses in a wing? Is this something that people do? The Beatles. The Beatles? Yeah. Specifically Ringo Starr. Uh, this one here song I wrote is called, it's called, uh, something about my car. How come all like the drummers of a band, Beatles had what's the one um, that Ringo did? Da 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 da. 
Da, 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 da. Ooh. I need a uh, little bit more than that. It's a car song, right? Like every every band every drummer of a band has a car song, you know what I mean? It's not Baby You Can Drive My Car, right? No, it's okay, uh from the White say, Album. Like... Oh. Um... It's uh Oh. Hold on. Don't pass me by. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, car. Pass me by. It's a fucking car. Yeah. So he's got a car song. Roger Taylor has a car song. I'm in love with my car. Like, what's up with yeah. <laughs> drummers of bands writing songs about cars? I don't know, man. Um, all right. So here's a quick. Uh, we always keep going. This is like the Beatles edition. Yeah, it is. We've been show. talking a lot about the Beatles. But you know what? That's cool. Um, yeah. What is your favorite Beatles album? Ooh, uh, so my favorite Beatles From album the, is Revolver. their UK studio albums, because they have, yep. like, the American albums that are, like, totally different but have the same songs, but, like, their core collection. What's your favorite? Yep. Uh, Revolver. Okay. It's my favorite Beatles album. I totally, totally vibe with that. Yep. Um, uh, just the, the set list of it, the songs that are on it. Um, the production. You, right? Taxman. Yeah. Eleanor Rigby. You get, you get really so much as, like, uh... Tomorrow Never Knows. Yeah. Um, here, There, and Everywhere. Just some really yeah. good day sunshine. Yeah. I would and honestly, like, it's weird because for a long time, Rubber Soul was definitely yep. my favorite. And that still might be, like, that honestly might be number one for me. Like, that yep. might be my top. But, like, Revolver was the album right after that. So, like, Rubber yep. Soul and Revolver are two amazing albums. And... Yep. I feel like definitely when I was younger and just getting into the Beatles, like I liked a lot of their earlier stuff with mm-hmm. Abbey Road and Let It Be being like their last two albums that I also really enjoyed. But yep. as I got older, I just loved like later Beatles, multi-track experimental crazy shit, like and just getting really into it, which I feel like exactly. is the most is the most me thing ever. Just be like. Yeah, I'm into like I'm into like late Beatles, you know. Mm-hmm. I like I like the White Album. I like Revolver. <laughs> yeah, uh, like, but Revolver's even before Sgt. Pepper. Yeah, before that whole thing, because I think yeah, Revolver came out like the year before Sgt. Pepper. The the Beatles released basically like starting in like '63 an album a year. Yeah, '63, '64, '65. Revolver was definitely I think like they're like here we go. This is when we're changing shit up. Exactly. Like this is the, this, this is, is that's the turning point for them. Yeah. In terms of like production, they, and when they stopped yep. um, touring, or when did they stop touring? Was it around this time? I think. Uh um, yeah, basically, Sgt. Pepper was when yeah. they stopped touring. Yeah. This the album was the Beatles' final recording project before their retirement as live performers. Exactly. Could you yep, like so. that blows my mind because there's no real bands right now that I think would do that where they're like we're not touring we're just doing studio music. Exactly. Like uh, whenever I think of the Beatles now, I I really go back to our sophomore year of okay. college when Studio Two yeah came oh my to God, campus. Dude, that was such a cool fucking night. Like that that was like one of the only times that I've seen like old music rile up a crowd of college kids. Dude, they were so good. And everybody was so into it and dancing and having a good time, and it was just awesome. And to they were really just they were super nice. I took I honestly took some really some really cool pictures during that show um, that I'm really proud of, you know, as a photographer. Which is weird because I haven't done photography in a hot minute. But they were playing yep. in um, they're playing at Daryl's house, Daryl Hall. Oh shit! 
So in Pauling, New York, which is like it's like an hour away from where I live in Connecticut. My dad, mm-hmm. go, my dad's been there over like a hundred times since that opened. Oh wow! Um, I've been there a couple times. Cool venue. Uh, it's like a restaurant and then also like a venue. So you can oh, that's go awesome. reserve a table, have dinner, get like an actual dinner served to you, and then be sitting right next to the stage where like a band's gonna play. It's super cool. Oh, that's cool. awesome. That's super awesome. cool. Honestly, one day we should try to figure something out where we can go to that because I think you'd dig it. Exactly. I need to go up to the Catskills. Yeah. And go see Woodstock. Dude. Oh my God. Yeah. I told you that I went there, right? Mm-hmm. Out in Bethel. Oh my God, yep. dude. It was incredible. Like, total like religious experience. But really quickly before we we can we could talk about Woodstock in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, Studio Two is actually playing there at Daryl's house in New York and I was like, Hey guys, you played at my college a couple years ago and I took photos of your set. Um, you know, can I come out and maybe like shoot your set at this show? But I guess they have like a, a house photographer there. So like the only person allowed to take photos is their house photographer at the oh, venue. Okay. So I'm like, all right, understandable. It's cool. Yeah. Um, but they were super cool about it. And when I, when I'm, did you meet them? You were ha- you were probably hanging out with them, right? Yeah, I was hanging out with them because I uh, I was the first person to acknowledge that they were wearing uh, Shea Stadium yeah uh, suits, which was awesome. Yeah, so like when when they like took a break and we were like chatting, I was like, these guys are cool. So, um, Studio Two, great great Beatles cover band. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I I'll, I'll have to send you. I just I discovered another one as I was going through a Beatles rabbit hole last night of um, Beatles bands. The Fab Four, I believe, is like the official tribute. Yeah. And they have a full set of, like, they have a full two sets of music up uh, that they perform live. And, oh, man. And they do, like, so much more. Like, they'll, while everybody's, like, and they actually change their outfits and, like, the facial hair. Yeah. As they progress. So it starts in the beginning as, like, 64. Da, 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 da. All the way and through, by the end of like, it, they're Abbey doing, Road. like, yeah, they're doing, uh, like, Let It Be, Hey Jude, like, everything on that stuff. And other stuff but so yeah oh. they do a really good job as well but what i really like about studio two is that they are pre i believe they're pre sergeant pepper like so they do they come yeah, to the they Beatles, do but a lot right of before their, their earlier pepper. stuff yeah because i remember them doing like tax man and yeah other stuff there and uh, oh, their george I, is great I definitely took videos of that too. yes you did oh did I you gotta... show me like some cool zooms you were doing yeah oh i'm gonna dig those up later yes um, please while we're great. while we're still on the mm-hmm. the Beatles as we are, um, before we get into Woodstock, which I'm sure we'll get to, yep. I was thinking about the. Um, unfortunately, I don't have room at my current apartment for my um, record player, speakers, and vinyl collection. Yep, because it's like it's over 200 records, so you know, oh man, takes up space. Um, and what started that collection was just, like, leftover records from my parents that they had kicking around the house. Same. That's how I started my collection. Like, most of my collection is some of my dad's old records. And in my collection right now is Meet the Beatles, which is the second album that they released in the United States. Oh, so yes. So, like, you know, you go by – usually with the Beatles, their main catalog is based on their UK releases. Mm-hmm. And that's all the albums that we know. But when you look into, like, U.S. and Canada – there's albums that I've never heard of, but they all just have the same songs. It was just a release yep. thing. So mm-hmm. that was released in January of 1964. I have an original copy of that from when my mom bought it in 1964. Jesus yeah. Christ, dude. Yeah. It's awesome. It's these are, super cool. These are my newest acclamations to mine before I 
uh, stopped going out. Um, songs you know by heart, the best of Jimmy Buffett. Ooh, of, of course, of course. Dude, honestly, like I'm one of those like people are like <laughs> Jimmy Buffett, you're a fucking loser. And I was like, dude, dude you know, it's, it's be a fun. Be a it's just good music. Who cares, you know? And then um, two of the B52s oh, albums. So I got yeah. B52s first album. And the B-52's second album, which I believe was Wild Planet. If where... you see a faded sign at the side of the road. Yep, that's that's not these albums. That one is a cosmic thing. Yeah, cosmic thing. Called? This one has, she came from Planet Claire. Oh, And then it has a, you're living in your own private Idaho. Which is, ah, some great stuff on here. Fit, dance this mess around. Uh, 6060842, and I'm coming for you. Like, I feel like, uh... Did the B-52s ever play uh, CBGBs? I feel like they did. I feel like they must have. I would assume so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, oh, dude, great, great albums. This one still has the original liner, which is great. Like, it has the original, like, granted, it's, like, all ripped on the bottom and the yeah. side a little bit, but I'm fine with that. But it's, like, got all the lyrics and things and just awesome, awesome stuff. So, yeah, I love finding old records. I found a Ruddles record that I actually gave to... Uh, my my old boss over at Rick's Music World, Rick Santos. Oh, really? he, so if um, he is a huge fan of the Beatles, and the Beatles basically the Beatles appearing on Ed Sullivan sixty four gave him the inspiration to start a music store and teach music and do, start a school and everything. Dude, the Beatles are the reason why my uncle on my mom's side mm-hmm. is a musician now, um, right? And his band, so he was in a band in Connecticut. They were called the mm-hmm. Crans. And I have this, yep. pr- I have a promo picture of them where they're all dressed in like different colors and they're standing with like these massive Crayola crayons of their color. Oh um, shit, dude. So here's the fucking crazy thing. And this blows my mind. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't, they have like a four song EP mm-hmm. that was on vinyl that I got from my mom. And there's one song on it that like, I mean, uh, the songs are good. They sound like kind of like yep. a Cars-ish kind of band. Okay. If you like the Cars. Oh. So, I have this EP, and I emailed my uncle. I'm like, yo, this song, Naughty Marietta, I really like the guitars. Do you think you could, like, tab it out for me so I could play it? And he, he mailed me tabs for it that he wrote out by hand. Um, That's awesome. And I was doing some, like, YouTube digging and found videos of them playing in, like, the 80s on, like, mm-hmm. a local public access show. Dude, I have to send you these they're insane. They're super I, I, 80s, and my uncle is just fucking shredding. Now, here's the thing. In the 70s, or 80s, or whatever, they, I don't know how, somehow recorded the jingle for the Subway commercial. Like, Subway sandwiches. Ah, oh, shit, dude. So, they recorded the jingle that was played for Subway advertisements. And their bass player, whose name is Don Furtman, went on to being the CFO of Subway. And Jesus they did an Christ. they did an undercover boss episode on this guy, and they flashed at the same promo picture of the crayons that I have in my house that shows that my is uncle. That's awesome. So that's like, so cool. And that's that's always crazy because I'm like, oh yeah, my uncle was in a band that like did a song for Subway. I've never heard it, but like that's still pretty cool. And they definitely just, they definitely do have like a car sound to them and I fucking love the cars, so like I'm not complaining. 
That's wicked cool. I was just digging through my rec just my small stack that I have over here, but I have some more scattered throughout. I have the Tom Tom Club. Oh yeah. Uh, Tina Weymouth's uh, Tina Weymouth's uh, uh, side project with Genius of Love, Wordy Rapping Hood. It's on here, which is great. Um, oh, I need to watch Stop Making Sense again soon. Dude, I have to again also myself. Yes. Trying to see what else I have down here. One of my favorite records of all time. Uh, Arlo Guthrie's Alice's Restaurant. Yes. Um, w Bench. Yeah. There's yep. um there's actually in New Haven, Connecticut, like a little like I don't want to call it a hippie store. I feel like that might be kinda of, like misrepresenting it. But like yep. a store, you know what I mean, like that, where they have all kinds of cool hip shit. Yep. Called Group W Bench. Mm -hmm. And I went there this was in this was in fucking high school with like my sophomore year of high school girlfriend at the time. Mm -hmm. Um and I told my dad, I was like, yeah, so we went to the store called Group W Bench. And he was like, oh, yeah, Alice's Restaurant. And I'm like, the fuck you saying to me? Like, I, didn't, I, don't, I don't understand. And then I listened to it, and I'm like, oh, yeah. I get <laughs> it now. That's exactly what it is. I, I also have this one that was from my dad's collection, which is weird. It's a really weird record. Uh, it's called No Wave, a musical dip into the contemporary sounds uh of into uh yeah a musical dip into the ocean of contemporary sounds and the cover is just amazing oh my god <laughs> new wave and the the uh roxanne by the police is on here but it's got the stranglers uk squeeze joe jackson Ooh, yo, uh, joe jackson dude dude the, do you like joe the jackson Dickies. I don't think I've ever listened to joe jackson Listen or i to... might have listened to this record but my favorite part of this record is this record came out in um 78 yeah so this is basically like now that's what i call new wave <laughs> Seven, 78 making transparent blue oh whoa that's vinyl. Sick. i'm like oh dude like i thought that was only for like people who shop at newberry comics <laughs> or, like colored vinyl you know what i mean but so it's like, your homework <laughs> is yep. to listen yes, to an album don't say that because i might be into it um, yes, Daddy. Listen to the album "I'm the Man" by Joe Jackson. Okay. It's from 1979. It's totally post-punk new wave. Oh and shit! I had it from my dad. So again, my record collection started off with stuff that was left over from my mom and my dad. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, my dad left a lot of his records at his father's house. And when my father, my grandfather passed away, this was years ago. I was a wee lad. Um, I guess my aunt like sold them or got rid of them, even though they're mm -hmm. my dad's records. And he had like Iron Butterflies and Agata De Vita, which I ended up, which I ended up buying myself. And he was like, you know, I used to have this record, and you would have had it too if my my sister didn't get rid of it. And I'm like, I'm not gonna get into this fight, but I wish she didn't get rid of it so I can have it for free. Um, <laughs> exactly. But so he had this album, Joe Jackson's "I'm the Man" in his, mm -hmm. you know thing and I, I never listened to it there's so many albums that i have that i've just never listened to same like i still have so many records that i haven't even gone through like from my parents and yep. i listened to it and i was like yo this shit is this is cool this is fun music like it was it's a good listen just pulled out toys in the attic toys from, yeah toys in the attic by aerosmith suit emotion walk this way uh big 10 inch record is on here and then i also so this is actually going to be my homework for you to listen to sure. all tonight. Um, this is one of my favorite um, prog bands ever. Uh, Gong. 
Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, you mentioned as, them yesterday, I think. Yep, Planet Gong or uh, From the Planet Gong. This is their uh, second album, Camembert Electric. Mm. So, um, and this is before they wrote the Radio Gnome Invisible trilogy. But, um, yep, so this is that, that weird band. Uh, and I love the back because the back is their take on uh, the Almond Brothers' Fillmore East like cover oh, like it's just cool. them like black and white just standing around yeah i think it's really cool and so yeah it's just um i'm trying to remember so yep you have the members of the band uh bloom bloom dito Badegras, uh pit pile three hats robert wyatt's son sam <laughs> burt camembert venix deluxe shaktiani space whisper so yeah the the woman's band she does what's called space whisper yeah and it's it's so weird and that's her instrument is she plays the space whisper but yeah it's so it's that type of just weird shit um big standout highlight from that album is a song you can't kill me yeah um so one thing that i speaking of records again mm -hmm. over 200 i yep. have a word document that i made this was i made this years ago Mm -hmm. where I wanted to catalog every record that I have. Oh, shit. And so I have a... It's like a six-page list. Mm -hmm. And the order that the list is going in is the exact order of how they're organized in my house. Oh, shit. So if I wanted to be like, okay, so the Beatles... Um, so the White Album, self-titled, that's one, two, three, four, five. So if I go five records into my collection, I know the White Album is there. Yep. Um, and I just realized I haven't updated this since January 14th, 2018. Oh, wow. And at that moment, I was at 226 records between, you know, 33 and a third, you know, LPs and then, you know, 45 RPM singles. Yeah. So I need to update this because in that time I have acquired the, um, the 45 RPM single of Tennessee Erty Ford's 16 tons. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I also just acquired, right before I stopped, um, Third Man Records recreated the Sun Records, um, like the originals. Oh, and yeah, so I heard about that. I have a, a 45 of I Walk the Line and Get Rhythm by Johnny Cash. Sweet. So, Johnny Cash and the Tennessee 2. So, it's, uh, yeah, and I love it because it's it's very much like the old, like, the Sun Yeah, dude, I remember records. when I wrote Sun Records in, um, oh, fuck, what was it? <clears throat> I took Memphis? a class with um, DJ, 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 yes. DJ Maxim. He was in that mm -hmm. class, and I didn't know him at first, but then, like, after I met him, I was like, oh, DJ, you're in my fucking, like, history of music class, right? Um, but it wasn't history of music. I don't know what it was, but our professor, Paul Santerre, mm -hmm. I don't know if you know Paul Santerre from Snoo. Uh, I don't think I've ever had a class with him. The this only music class I did take was, was with uh, Rick Cook. Rick Cook is cool. I had Rick Cook. Yeah. Um, Paul Santer was fucking awesome. He was a cool dude, and we definitely went over it. We talked about Sun Records, you know, um, for like an entire like an entire class. I almost mm -hmm. just said an entire episode. Yeah. Oh shit! I forgot about this one. Uh, I don't know why, but it's on a full thirty-three. Yeah. But it spins at forty-five. Ooh. Um, so this is a forty-five of just Queen. We're the champions of We Will Rock You. That came out a couple years ago, and I just I found I got it because I just love the cover of it. Yeah. It's the guy from uh, what's uh, what's the name of that album? History of the World. Um, 
I know news of the world. News of the world. Yeah. News of the world. Yep. So I just love it, and I I like just finding random records and grabbing them and. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that it's on a it's on like a full size twelve inch, but it spins at forty five. Yeah. No, I'm trying to think about what it is. My vinyl for um, save rock and roll by Follow Boy, which I I will, I will admit I have. Yeah, um, I have the same. I have the same one. Yep, it's on. It it's spins a ten at thirty three. It's a ten, a ten inch, inch, but it spins at thirty three. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. I my the only other record that I have of that is an original pressing of, um, uh, Regatta de Blanc. Ooh. by uh, the police on a double double 30 a double 10 inch uh 33s which is awesome and it's oh it's so much fun i love it that's cool um yeah and then just speaking of follow <clears throat> boy vinyl had, like they released this project called pax am days mm-hmm. which was just like i think the entire ep is like under 15 minutes or less and it's just like like punk just like punk punk yeah like can you guys go back to this please (laughs) (laughs) but i have that it's on a like a two a two disc um 45 so that's cool yeah fun fact my dad got into cbgb's once oh really in his life yeah he was just down there and somehow ended up in um patty smith was headlining that night oh shit guess who was her opening act what the Talking Heads. No hell. So my dad saw the Talking Heads open for Patty Smith at CBGB in New York. That's cool. Yeah. Our one time, our good hmm? friend Gabby Ryman from Snow. Yep. Her parents both grew up in um you know the New York area. Yeah. And so, I've heard lots of CBGB stories from her about her parents, oh, and I'm like, why can I not live that life? Where it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna go hang out with the fucking Ramones tonight. Fuck you. Honestly, same right? Like. <laughs> Uh, one of my dad's favorite memories is he was in college at uh, Johnson and Wales in the uh, very early '80s, and U2 just released their first album, which I think was like Boy, like their very first first album. Yeah. And they were doing some college shows in the U.S. and I think they played it like they played it Brown, and no one really showed up. It was like my dad and his friend JD, I think, and a couple of other people, and they were just shooting the shit. And they the band asked him like, "Why don't you guys come hang out at our hotel?" So thing was they were all 1920 yeah the band and my dad of course was 21 at the time and my dad had to buy beer for you two because they were underage he bought beer for bono my dad bought beer for bono (laughs) holy shit my dad has some weird stories uh dude i honestly i love your dad i can't wait to hang out with him hopefully sometime in the near future just yesterday, he was talking to me about it, um, his favorite Grateful Dead show, which I which was in, um, I think Hartford, no, yeah. Connecticut. Yeah, it was down in Connecticut, and they took uh, his car down, and um, they were situated like looking down on the whole stadium. Yeah, where it was, and um, so his friend JD, his best friend JD at the time, had like a kind of like a derby star store hat that he was wearing, and he filled it with roses and they're all broken oh and this one random hippie lady just walks by him and he stops her and pulls the broken rose that fell over is handed it to her and gone this is for you oh my god and just started was it at um, the, um the meadows does that ring a bell i'm not sure i think he he saw him at probably like hartford stadium or something okay because there's a place in hartford now called the xfinity center it used to be called the meadows there was like an outdoor part of it i've been to so many shows there that's probably yeah, it's it, it's been it's, around. It's, it's a stadium. 
Yeah, there's like a an indoor part, and then there's like a lawn part. That might have been it. I'm not sure. Or there's the XL Center, which that's probably where it was. That's that's a whole indoor. I saw Roger Waters perform the fucking oh, wall at the XL oh. Center in Hartford in 2012. Dude. I'm still not recovered from it. Jealous. Oh my Jealous. God. Those were like $150 per person tickets. Jesus. And it was I, I would have totally gladly paid it. I would yeah. have gladly paid it. Oh my God. It was incredible. And like, oh man. even my dad, who wasn't super into Pink Floyd, like ever, was like, that was an incredible show. Oh, damn. And like, I have dragged my dad to, I think, like three Marilyn Manson concerts, and he's like, yeah, it's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> my, my, my dad got to see the Animals Tour when it was touring. Oh, he got to see cool. a show for the Animals. And you for that show too, they they still do like basically once they like they did they did the wall and they did like every other album, they yeah. kinda just all piled them all into like one kind of show. Yeah. So like they build the wall while pulse is happening while oh my like God. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like everything's just going on and shit. Dude, um, Animals yeah. Animals is a really good album. I gotta yeah. go back and listen to that one again. One of my dad's favorite concerts he ever went to was wasn't really a concert, I'd say it was just kinda like a, a little tiny show. Was he my dad worked on a merchant marine ship. And he was docked at uh, Nolens for Mardi for Mardi Gras, Ooh, and there were just a bunch of music tents set up everywhere. Like there was like a full music festival going on at that time, and everybody was crowded into one. So my dad just kind of went to this other one where a bunch of people were crowded around this this little guy with a hat down, playing electric guitar, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh no shit! So my dad saw Stevie Ray Vaughan in Mardi Gras. Uh, but some of my dad's favorite shows ever was seeing Clapton in 08. Um, he got to go see Clapton for, he took That's my cool. mom for their anniversary, which I thought was really cool. It was an anniversary gift from his sister. Um, they also saw Peter Frampton. Oh yeah. Which would have been a really cool show. Well, and then I just recently took my dad in 2018 to go see the dead tribute dark store orchestra, the touring one oh, over yeah. at Bull Point Park in Providence. And then I also took my buddy Tom Knox to see his first dead show with them at, in November in uh, in Providence at uh, the Strand, which is a really fun venue. Oh, I think I've been um, to the I've been to the Strand. Oh yeah, so... and it, it was also really funny because as I'm standing there, I notice and I see one of the I see a student from Rick's, like an adult student yeah. from when I was at the music school, being like, "Oh, hey, you're a fucking deadhead too. Love it, awesome." So real quick, we hit we just hit 107 for me. Yep. How is your audio doing? Are you gonna cut out soon? My audio is doing fine. Okay. Um, now that I have power. Okay. Like well, direct power. It I just I bit. just don't want this the clips to split up again, because then we lose like five minutes of footage or something. Oh man, um, I, yeah, I don't think that'll happen. Okay, cool. So we're gonna wrap up soon, but now yeah, that we're we on this, now that we're on this roll, mm -hmm. um, the year was I don't remember when. I think it was in like the year school. was twenty six, and I, I said <laughs> was in Dick Sporting Goods with my mother. Um, as you would. As I would. And Black Dog by Led Zeppelin was playing. Oh, yeah. And this was when I was in, like, my... Like, when I was in middle school, I was, like, hella militant with classic rock and, like, old school, like, hard rock. Where that was yep. the only thing that I listened to. And if it wasn't that, it was fucking garbage. And yep. looking back, and I'm like, that's such a shitty personality. Um, oh, yeah. But so I loved Led Zeppelin. And I turned to my mom and I'm like, hey, mom, who is this? Like, just kind of like being a dick or like joking around. And she goes, yeah, it's Led Zeppelin. Are you kidding me? I saw them live and I was like, I froze in the middle of Dick's Sporting Goods with my jaw gape. And I was like, say what now? She's like, oh, yeah. No, yeah, I saw him in the 70s. My uh, 
my brother helped me get a ticket and everything. And so I looked it up and it's, um, it was August 15th, 1970 in the Yale bowl in New Haven, Connecticut, which I've Mm -hmm. driven by so many times. Um, and their set list included Immigrant Song, Heartbreaker, Daisy Confused, Bring It On Home, Since I've Been Loving You, uh, What Is and What Should Never Be, Moby Dick, Whole Lot of Love, Medley, Communication Breakdown, Medley, Jesus. including Good Times, Bad Times. Jesus so, Christ. like, when did Led Zeppelin II come out? 1970. So this was, like, right after Led Zeppelin II came out, which is, oh, like, man. peak, honestly, in my opinion, peak Led Zeppelin. Like, their first two albums are incredible. My um, cur- my favorites are actually uh, Zeppelin Four, and um, uh, In Through the Outdoor. Actually, wow, that's a hot take. I like some, I li- I do like some In Through the Outdoor stuff, but it's right? not like my favorite. Fool in the Rain. Fool in the Rain's a fun one. Carousel, yeah. the whole Carousel Ombra. Yeah. Took up a second side. Oh, dude, that was great. Um, but then so at one point my dad was saying, or no, one of my very good friends in middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, this also ties back to my friend Brendan Callery, who I used to jam with. Uh, our friend Zach, great, great kid, loved the kid to death. We were in a band in middle school. They were neighbors, so like we'd always hang out. And mm-hmm. um, my friend Zach's dad was like super cool, super into music. We would, <coughs> I would jam with this guy for like three hours. I'd go over to my friend's house to sleep over for like on a Saturday, Friday night, Saturday night. Mm-hmm. I would jam with his dad for like two hours and then be like, all oh, right, that's I'll great. come, I'll come play video games with you after. But he was telling me, he was like, yeah, you know, I saw this, um, I saw Eric Clapton in New Haven, Connecticut. Jesus. And it was funny because he played the song, let it rain and it was raining out. Mm-hmm. And then like a year and a half, two years later, my dad was like, yeah, I saw Eric Clapton at the Yale bowl in New Haven and it was raining out. And I was like, yo, you were at the same fucking concert as my friend's dad. <laughs> that's awesome. So that was pretty cool. I'm trying to remember the the show that they did at. Um, let me see if I can look it up. Uh, that I took my dad to to go see Dark Star. Yeah. Because what's really cool about Dark Star Orchestra is they um. They uh, for some shows they would recreate. Um, old show or dead shows like dead set lists because yeah. every set list was different. Mm. So I want to see if I can go ahead and find like their set list from that day because what was funny is that my dad turned to me like in the middle of this in the middle of the show that they were playing and went i was at that show that's so cool so let me go back and see if i can find it um Yeah, it's totally crazy. Like, um, I know my dad and my mom went and saw um, Tommy Two Tone of eight six seven five three zero nine fame. Yep. Honestly, one of my favorite songs ever. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's actually awesome. And it was it was again because again like I was playing it. My dad was like, "Oh yeah, no, your mother and I saw them." And I was like, Ex- "Like, why do you? Why did you go see Tommy Two Tone? <laughs> like, what the hell?" Yep. So, uh, so they actually recreated uh, the show. So it was August fifth. They actually have a records of all their set lists. They had a. Um, so what they did was on the fifth. Um, yeah, they did a full uh, dead show, which was actually from August fourth, nineteen eighty two. Um, so the set list was set one, feel like a stranger, friend of the devil into CC Rider, 
Brown-Eyed Woman, Mama Tried into Mexicali Blues, Road Jimmy into Looks Like Rain, Stagger Lee, The Promised Land. Set 2 was Never Trust a Woman, Estimated Profit into Terrapin Station, into The Jam, mm. into A Drum's Space, Not Fade Away, Black Peter, Around and Around, Good Lovin'. So the whole second set was basically one long just jam of just a bunch of songs. And then their encore was U.S. Blues. So if there's any other deadheads out there that uh, that, that, that like that and want to <laughs> redo it again. So, All right. So on yeah, that note, wicked cool. we just hit a minute and 14, which is um, our longest In hour episode. 14, you mean? Oh, yeah. Hour 14. Yeah. yeah, you know, I'm, I'm drinking a... Uh, 1.5 liter bottle of yellowtail pinot noir so amen you know, as you, know, you should as i should but um so i think we should probably dial it down now you know wrap yeah it up. let's call it an i'm ready to just call it because i'm but i'm ready to call this time of death let boy. me let me tell you yesterday's episode and today's episode i've really enjoyed them i feel like we've just had a good like a good vibe and a good talk we've just been going for it so yeah i feel like t- today's also that same way Hundred percent. Um. So thank you, everyone. Everyone listening. I know before we had like eleven views on our YouTube for episode seven, which you know, it's eleven views, but it's still decent. Um. So thanks for everyone listening. If I had a nickel for every view we got on YouTube, I'd have fifty-five cents. Oh my god. Oh wow! Almost a dollar. <laughs> can almost go buy myself a gumball down at the I can go to the corner store, store and get, get five bazooka bubble gums for a penny. I can go down to the five and dime and get myself yeah, I, a dime. I remember when a hooker caused the whole buffalo nickel. <laughs> and, and she would do anything, son. She'd, <laughs> she'd, be, she'd suck and fucking, you know, vote for just a buffalo nickel. Right, that's so. why that's what kept it in circulation for so long is that 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 and the wheat penny the, the wheat penny was penny. used in a lot of uh young uh soldiers reefer cases oh yeah and that's what kept the wheat penny business going so before, i remember good old wheat penny he was a nice fine old man so before richie's alzheimer's gets the best of him i think we're gonna call it where Thank am you. i Thank you, everyone, for listening. I know we didn't really get, like, too much into Corona Bilona, but, like, it's kind, of our, it's, it's kind of our show. We're having fun. We hope you have fun, too. You know, hey, we're just, it's a show. We're having fun. <laughs> again, like our good friend Adam Fry said, he feels like he's hanging out with us and we're just shooting the shit. And I think that is what we should we should go for moving forward. Just we're hanging out. We're talking. Hopefully, people who listen you know, makes them feel a little bit more included when we're in this term of social isolation. I'll find isolation. some great poetry to recite. Yeah, dude, let's let's do it. So, thank you everyone once again. This has been episode 8 of Socially Distant. You're the best. We, uh, we appreciate you listening. Stay cool, stay safe, and as always, stay, eat social- ass. stay socially distant. I mean, stay socially distant. And eat ass. I mean, if, if that's what you're yeah. into, go for it. You can so, be, be you virtually eat ass. You do what you you do what you do. You do you boo. All right, guys. Have a good afternoon. Have a good night. Take it easy. Bye bye.